Hello, legends, and welcome to today's show. Catching Up With Cub is brought to you by the one, the only, the Club of United Business, Australia's number one members club connecting our country's top entrepreneurs and business leaders. As a business owner, having the right network and relationships is the most important thing you can do to reach your goals and to to kick ass and take your business to the next level. But there's never been a way for any of us to connect. And now there is. And that's why Cub is the fastest growing and best members club for entrepreneurs in the country. Today, we catch up with someone I've actually never met before, and he is an absolute legend, Cub member Stephen Abalakian, the Managing Director of High Corp Property Group. High Corp is a family business, which Stephen took over as Managing Director uh, after he finished school. Well, I'm sure he worked his way up to that, but that's where he is now. Um, Stephen and his father and brothers took High Corp from really what was a side business to their to their main business to now having a billion-dollar property pipeline. They do things a little bit differently to the normal developer. For example, they have everything in-house. That means their sales team's in-house. That means their design team's in-house. That means they're also the builder. And we talk about that. We talk about the benefits of it and, and the benefits of the development industry as a whole, benefits and issues. It was a truly fascinating conversation that has a lot of benefits, not just to people in construction development, but to all business owners. I love the conversation, so I hope you enjoy the show too. And we are live. Welcome to the show, Stephen. How are you? Great, Daniel. How are you, mate? Good, good. You're feeling, uh, got the nerves out. You're feeling more relaxed now that we're yeah, live? a bit more. I'm still a bit chilly outside, but um, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I'm calm now. I'm good. Good, man, man. Well, look, like I was telling you before, the point of today is um, to discuss uh, not just your, your business, High Corp, uh, High Corp uh, yep. Construction or High Corp, High Corp Property, Property Group, Group um, and really uh, discuss the business as a whole so, so the listeners can learn from it, but also discuss the uh, property and uh, construction and development industries as a whole, uh, particularly because uh, at the moment there's a bunch of shit happening that's going to affect these industries. Um, um, and let's just flesh it all out. So that's what let's we're going to do. do. Sound good? Let's do it. Awesome, my man. Why don't we start by, because this is the first time I've met you, why don't we start by getting to know you a bit better? I do know that you uh, you went to uni, you studied uh, economics, was it? Mm-hmm. Uh, the day after you finished your um your your degree the day you finished you you joined the family business and one week later you got fired no the no. day after i finished school oh so high i finished school. yeah so i finished i finished school um in 04 finished the hsc and then went straight to working with dad mm-hmm. and you know i mean that's that's the best time ever in your life right finishing school to schoolies is like the you know you never have that time again yeah i agree and i was probably not really working that much. I was more partying and all that. Um, well, the way I see it, I think one of the companies that dad invested in had a bitty bad day. I think it was in a shit mood and I should have been at work. You know, this is like five days out of school finishing, yeah. right? And um, I think I can't remember exactly what happened, but I needed him to pick me up from somewhere and I just got smashed on, on the way home and he said, don't come back, you know, go get a job. So, and I remember, you know, he says a story, that, you know, my mom and my Grandparents, everyone was like, oh, you can't do that. You can't do that to your son. And he said, well, I don't give a shit. Sorry, that's what's <laughs> happening. And I hated him for about five minutes. But then, you know, looking back, you know, it was an awesome 
very important thing that he did and I can see why he did it. Big lesson. And, and yeah. speaking about your father, so your dad started um, uh, the company um, obviously what year do you, do you remember? So it's, it was developing properties throughout the sort of the 90s, you know, I'm not going to say it was on the side but, you know, project here, project there and um, probably early 2000s um, was when he sort of did a, pretty major project for him at the time you know it's 30 townhouses down in Narrenburn um, and I think at that point sort of for him that was the new career path well not career path but you know the new that's what he wanted to do mm-hmm. and then a few years later um, you know I've come along and joined the business and you know we're you know taking that path of development very seriously. Uh, that, that's that's a very common thing in in property and development where people will start to dabble do you know a townhouse or a couple of four units, or or they'll start doing small developments, particularly people that may have a a business like um, like a a builder or or someone that has a business that's in a trade, and and they start kicking off these smaller developments. Their yeah. the goal is to actually become developers, and that's very much what your dad did, isn't it? That's right. But you you can't just wake up and be like in any business, right? You can't just yeah. wake up and say I do this, yeah, right. And you can't in development. It's it's just too hard. So. Yeah. The natural progression is, you know, you see it out there all the time, right? It's, it's someone usually does a house and, you know, it's a duplex, a couple of townhouses and then think, okay, this is okay. I'm actually doing well and surviving. I've survived all that. Mm. Then you actually start doing some bigger stuff. Um, I mean, similar to where we are now, fast forward 15 years, you know, we're doing some pretty big stuff, but hey, the next one has to be bigger. The next one has to be better. Yeah. So you can't just wake up and be a developer. It, it, it's every developer story is it's one that grew from something, you know, everyone can usually point back to the first house or the first duplex that was done. Mm. I was lucky enough to come in when we were doing apartments. So, you know, I've, I've come in at that point. But um, and that's it, most start that way. To give people a time frame of kind of how the, the time period it took for your old man to, to get it to the point where you came in and there were – apartment buildings going up how, how many years was that well it's probably you know seven to ten years yes yeah. yeah seven to ten years and um that's not only just when apartment started but i think when you know okay yes he was a developer mm-hmm. right? i think that's and that's that makes sense that's how long these these projects don't happen overnight and they take years to plan and go through and develop and sell and what do you think the biggest boundaries are in someone getting into development, it's definitely cash. Yeah, yeah, cash. it's very cash intensive. It's, yeah, it, it's it's cash. It's just you're spending, 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 spending. You know, you got to secure the site. Um, once you get the site, you got to secure the finance. You got to do all the planning. You got to then pay for the builder, holding costs. So it, it's it's cash, um, but cash isn't the answer. Like if you have cash, doesn't mean you can do a good development. Yeah, but to start, you need to be able to afford the property. And so, therefore, you might be thinking, okay, well, I want to be a developer. Maybe the first step is actually creating cash flow for yourself through an, a, another business to actually get the money to develop. Oh, definitely. So heaps of you see heaps of people, you know, very successful people with great businesses which have great cash flows coming out of it. You know, they to look, okay, where can I get a return? That's what's the next best return after investing in my business. Usually, ends up being it ends up being property. Yeah, and then naturally. If you've got cash flow, you can sustain development. So that the, the next thing that's going to compete with the return they'll get back in their business is going to be property. Yeah, and that's what happens. And, yeah. and so your old man was in smash repairs. That's right. You said? Yeah, so he was in smash repairs and obviously very successful. 
Brilliant. And why don't you give us then, a, before we get into it, a bit of an idea of the scale of which you've gotten the company to. Uh, you joined the company in what year? So joined in well, was late 04 and then went and then came back yeah, late 05, so about 15 years ago. And you've you've done uh, developments all over where? or uh, I don't So know. We, lo- we, we love North Shore of Sydney. That's mm-hmm. our back, background. You know, we play in this space where it's sort of we like to do the stuff that's a bit too big for the small guys and too small for the big guys. So that's yep. a bit of a niche that works well for us. Um, having said that, we're just finishing a project in Sutherland at the moment. So, you know, we, we're a Sydney developer. We've looked interstate, but at the moment there's enough – there's enough opportunity for us in Sydney mm-hmm. and that's where our niche is. And you've got uh, – are we able to say how big the pipeline is? We've got about a billion dollars in forward yep. pipeline um, yep. that's a mixture of, you know, projects in various different stages and, um, you know, it, it, it's a long game. And can you explain to, to those who aren't in property what, the, what a pipeline means in development? You've got stages in a project, right? You've got – obviously you've got the site and you need to work out what you're doing with it. You have – you can have planning approval um, or you can have it during construction. So depending on where your projects are, that's generally speaking, that's your pipeline. Mm-hmm. Um, so we can sit and then you've got the timing of the pipeline. So we know what projects are going to start when in the next two years because you need to resource that. So the, the pipeline is the value of the future projects. The end value of the yeah. projects. That's Amazing. Right. And you mentioned something really interesting, which um, um, a lot of very good developers actually said to me before that they focus on one specific area. They really know that area. And in business, that's pretty – you see it everywhere. People have a niche. You know, they go, well, I focus on one thing. Or if I'm a marketer, this is the people that I do marketing for. And in property, it's almost a similar thing. If I'm a developer, okay, I'm a developer, but this is what I, I like to do. So you guys obviously focus on the North Shore. Do you focus on specific types of building, apartments, townhouses, or or is it just that area you like to focus no, on? It, it's, we, we specialise in apartments, mm-hmm. right? So apartments, resi apartments is what we do. We do mixed use as well. Um, so, you know, there's commercial and, and, and retail elements to it, but primarily it's it's resi. I'll give you an example. We just an article this morning in, in the News Corp papers that we did um, an interview with them the other day. Mm-hmm. So we just launched a project called Kira. It's in Lane Cove. It's our eighth project in eight years in Lane Cove. Most of our buyers are from there. That That's for our Lane Cove projects, it's a niche. So the lo- Lane Cove residents want to stay in Lane Cove. So we launched to the, you know, to the, um, to the residents this last weekend and the grand launches this week. So the local, we're all about local and community. That's a huge part of what we do. We, we sort of champion that. Um, so, That's so cool. Is that yeah. something other developers do? Never seen that. So we called it the Locals Only Campaign and haven't really seen that. Yeah, but, that's but we just wanted to do something that resonates with, you know, with, with our interest in, in the community. And you're also keeping them on your side. I mean, part of being a developer is having is winning the vote of the council and the community. And you've said, well, oh, we're going to make sure that's a bit of a priority for us. We're going to look after the community. We, we want to make them feel included in the yeah. Devel- development's disruptive, right? You know, for, for a couple of years when you're building and there's trucks and noise and dust, it's disruptive. You know, our, our goal is and not in a fluffy way, in a real way. Like we want to come in and leave a community better than we left it, mm-hmm. you know. So usually we take a bunch of crappy old dilapidated houses with, you know, sewerage and stormwater networks all connected and, and, you know, which shouldn't happen and all this mess and come in and try to make it, leave it a beautiful place. And mm-hmm. so the community is a really big part of it. 
So this was our way of saying, hey, thanks to the community. And we had about 200 people come through, which was actually pretty amazing. Jeez. Um, and and do you, do you, is a lot of your market that buy those units, are they people downsizing already in that community? So we're, I, I think right now, as, and it's changes a lot, first home buyers are probably the biggest, the biggest part of our inquiry and demand right now. Mm. Um, we do get a, still get a lot of... Um, upgraders so people that are you know have a one bedroom now and want to move into a two bedroom you know kids kids are coming or they're getting married or what whatever it is Um, and we have the downsizers um, as well so we try to have enough mix for everyone Um, but one thing that's really really key at the moment you know over 90 percent right now is owner occupier so investors we're not targeting investors they're not a big part of our our demographic and and as a developer how do you actually discover and do the research on your so how do you create a target market for so obviously you're building this this development yeah how, how do you actually go about figuring out who the different target markets are yeah so and, and then market to them we so we also do the sales and marketing in house so we've got agents that work we sell probably you know 98% of our properties are sold directly through us so mm-hmm. we're talking to the buyers we're talking to the people you know on a daily basis so that information and, you know, we're all in the same office, mm-hmm. that feeds to us real time and we take that and, we, and then we have the architectural team in-house. So we're constantly making changes and design decisions based on actively in real time responding to what people want, you know. And so, so would you say that's a pro to uh, one of the things we want to talk about today, like we discussed, is, is the fact that you do have everything in-house. It is almost an end-to-end everything. And we want to talk about cons if there are any of that too. I'm sure there are there's pros and cons to everything, but... One of the pros then is in fact that you are so close to your sales team, you are hearing what they're saying and therefore able to to uh, build the next building or the next development with that in mind. Definitely. Look, that, that's a huge positive of it, right? It's happening. It's all hap- If we had an external agency, mm-hmm. let's say that, you know, you've got to meet with them once a week or you meet with them once a fortnight or whatever it is and you get the information. It's a one-hour meeting and you're trying to work out what are we doing you know, how do we make changes? How do we adapt? Whereas these conversations happen, you know, five times a day. You know, the, the, you know it, it's literally on the – we've had examples where in the display suite an agent's been with a buyer. They said, hey, I've got a buyer that wants these two units to combine them. They send a WhatsApp to us. You know, while they're there, a sketch gets done with the design team and a, perspe- a potential floor plan layout goes back to them in the same spot. That doesn't happen all the time. Yeah. But that's an example. If, if we didn't have that in-house, that's a – three, four-week exercise. So your team is very interlinked. The different functions of the business are, are just in communication. Definitely. And that, that's a key. That's, that's, how, that's, a key to, that's a key to how we operate. But how do you plan for a future development? Because if, um, if you're hearing from the sales team of a current development, you know, their feedback on people wanting to buy, how do you, know, how do you, how do you build a building with a target market in mind? How do you find what that target market is? How do you so discover what they're talking about? So we do be? research. We do research. By being – naturally by developing in relatively the same areas, mm-hmm. you know, we have a pretty good understanding of, of what the people want. And right? so that's a benefit to that's the right. area. Exactly, right. So if we went and did a project, you know, in Melbourne tomorrow, that would be a whole amount of research mm-hmm. that we need to put in and go through, et cetera, right. If we did it, found another project, you know, on the North Shore, we could start designing today because we know – we know what the buyers want. We know what they're looking for. Um, the challenge sometimes is there are plan- different councils have different planning controls. So you can't always deliver exactly what you want because you need to comply with the different 
council's mm. planning controls. But but really it's it's our own over the years built up IP that helps us while and plan research and real-time feedback from buyers which helps us design what the next project's going to look like. Yeah, and the more focused what you do is, the more focused on the area, the more in-house the team, the more consistent the projects, um, it, it, like, a, like like you said, you're building up this knowledge, this IP, which only you guys have. That's right. And that is a competitive advantage in the market. If someone wants to come into your market, if they're not from your market, they don't have that IP. And if they're new coming into your market, they want to stick in your market, well, you're already well ahead of them. Yeah, I, I get other developers calling me saying, hey, I looked at the plans you lodged. Why'd you put so many three bedrooms? You know, we all know each other. Yeah. When you say, well, well, that's what they want. That's what people want right now. So, yeah. Okay, I better go, you know, I better go put some, okay, thanks, right? So, yeah. so yeah, we people we get people looking at what we're doing and I'm not saying imitating or copying, but just, you know, they call us and say, learning. hey, why'd you do that? Yeah, they're learning from you. That's right. And you guys are quite open, you, you've been in the past quite open to sharing that knowledge with them? Yeah, look, it's... it's Because you do run the risk of competition, no? And yeah, we do. Are, we definitely development's do. Development's a... Uh, yeah, a game for a uh, game of titans. It so. is, but you know we play the long game, right? We're, yep. I'm pretty young, and I plan to do this for another fifty years. So for Wait, us, it's 34? a thirty-four, thirty-three, thirty-three, thirty-three. Yeah, so it's a long game, and you know we're not sitting there and you know, you know, having giving people access to all our info. No, it's not that obvious. But we're not afraid to be transparent of what we're thinking mm. um, and what why why we do things, how we do them, because we've got conviction in that. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of IP that we would definitely keep close to our chest. Uh, and I also think that's a, a, a major sign of confidence. Like I know a cab, we're not scared to tell. We tell everyone what we're doing, why we're doing it, the plans, our, our strategy. I mean, it might come back and bite me in the ass, but but at the moment, we just don't care, and then we don't care because we're confident. Well, if you want to yeah. challenge us, challenge. You can see what we're doing, but you can't see what we're gonna do. You got to do it. Yeah. Right. Like. Yeah. Someone can know what, why we do things yes. a certain way, but yeah, but come and try to do it. Try it's do not it. that easy. Exactly right. Yeah, if it's not that easy, you know, that's not the answer. Yeah. The strategy is the strategy is part of it, but that's that's not the magic key. You got to yeah. execute the. Yeah, you can't thing. learn how to swim by reading how that's to swim. That's right. That's I mean, right. Jumping that motherfucker. Exactly pool. right. Exactly. And you a, a, a big a big um, topic point that you brought up to me, particularly in development, which is is perhaps if someone's thinking about getting into development or they think that's what they want to get into they should assess if they have this, which is tenacity. Because tenacity is quite possibly one of the greatest character tra- traits or, or strengths you need as a developer because you put it in a funny way in, in your prep sheet. You said, in our business we spend and take take risks for five years between finding the site, locking it up, doing the design, planning, sales and marketing, construction, burning cash daily for five years. Then you get paid in two weeks when it all settles with constant intra-daily obstacles, people literally trying to stop you. Uh, there's councils, communities. Uh, then when it's all done, you have a beer and you have to start again. <laughs> I think that's a fucking brilliant description of, of the, the, the process of development. You basically have to – you set a goal at the start. You don't get your reward until the very end. And in between that, you may know how to do it, but there's a bunch of shit jumping in your way trying to stop you from doing what you do and you need the tenacity to smash through that wall, smash through the next wall, smash through the next wall. Tell us about that experience. So, look, tenacity, you know, that, to me that, that, that's an important word. That's just not giving up, mm. right, and just working your, your butt off. 
I mean, I look just to jump ahead for a sec. It's like you got these these um, the founders who are just working their asses off, just just pushing and pushing and pushing for you know whether it's the exit or whatever it is, right? And then it's like each development is almost like that, right? It's it's you're starting from scratch. You've got the IP, you know how to do it, mm-hmm. right? But you've got to find the opportunity, right? It, it's you've got to build the the the, the business, which is the development, you need to sell, do the sales, you need to do the marketing, you have to do the, do the design, you have to build it, right? And then it's almost like, and then you just, you do that for five years and then everything, all the people settle, they buy the apartments and you pay the bank back. It takes two, that takes two yeah. weeks and you've exited really. And then it's okay, what next? But if you've got five of them happening at the same time, mm. right? So, you know, we, we you know, it, it's, you have to be, tenacious you can't give up in this but did you come stock standard you come born built with tenacity or was that something you had to learn when you started look i think tenacity i think you have to be born with it more than you you, you can learn it mm-hmm. right you can learn it of course like anything you can learn it but you just to not give up and you have to have a thick skin right mm. in our business you gotta think about it right councils most councils it's not a secret they don't want development to happen. Mm. So you lodge, you do something, you lodge plans, and the immediate response is trying to see why this plan shouldn't be approved, right? Understandably, you know, residents and neighbours are always, um, you know, it, as I said before, development is disruptive, right? And mm. it 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 does it, it's a change when there's a building and, happening and on your street. And people hate change. They do. That's, the That's right. So yeah. you need to manage them, and they're they're trying to to stop the developments from happening. Um, you know, then you've got competitors and then you've got market dynamics and banks don't want to fund and all that. So uh, it really is daily there's something wrong. Some, something's trying to stop this from going ahead. So you just need to, you know, I, I roll the sleeves up, pull your head down, just, just you've got to smash through the just wall. Just a tenacious problem solver. That's right. And if tenacity is something or not giving up is something that's just in you, you're born with, certainly handling problems is something that you get better at. And therefore, yes. you're oh fucking. I, I know for me, like back at the start, like something would happen, something bad would happen. Like, oh no, it's the end of the company. We're all fucked. And now, like I say, a T Rex could bust through the ceiling. I'd be ah, it's good yeah. PR, you know. So it's just a question of getting of learning that hey, wait, I can overcome these obstacles, and they don't actually kill me. I can get that's through right. them. Yeah, and, and that's the learning aspect, perhaps. Definitely, you know, we there are stuff that would have caused me to lose, you know, 10 years ago, I would have lost sleep and, Mm -hmm. you know, had to work all through the night to try to solve, which now it's, you know, it's a one phone call conversation. Mm -hmm. But there's a new thing today. There's a new thing today that that replaces that, right? There's always new obstacles. And they get bigger. The bigger the company, the bigger the problem. Yeah, that's right. And it's just like we learn, like you're always learning. You know, you just – I always say even to my team, you know, don't – I don't care if you you make – a mistake or mm. you know you need help with an obstacle whatever it is right it's just if you just don't like, not don't make the same one again mm. right but don't let that mistake or obstacle that you can't overcome be as a result because you haven't been smart about it or you haven't tried hard like you haven't tried over you've been lazy mm-hmm. right so i think that you can teach that you can definitely teach that to mm. to um to to just work through those obstacles and definitely not let it emotionally get you down it'll leave lots of days going man this is is too hard, mm. right? And then you think, well, if it's hard, everyone will be doing it. So you just wake up the next day. Me and, do and you it again. say a lot of the same quotes. I reckon Laura was sitting there like nodding her head, thinking, "Fuck, this sounds like Daniel talking." Okay, well, that's but, good. Well, but um, what you say? Uh, yeah, what you were talking about just there was creating a bit of a team culture and a culture of of doing your best, trying hard, and 
not slacking off. If you slack off, if you if you're someone who doesn't want to work that hard, you don't have to work at our company. There's plenty of other companies you can go work at. Definitely. And not just that, but if you are working hard and you are giving a shot, well, we don't care if you make a mistake, but you have to be smart enough not to make it again. You have to learn from that mistake. And are there ways that you implement that culture creation into the company? If the mistake is because you were lazy or didn't think it through, like to me, that is the end of the world. Like that, that's just unacceptable. Mm. If you just if you just said, hey, this I gave this my best shot and it just wasn't the right call, that's cool. We'll coach you, you know, we'll we'll explain to you how to not make that mistake again. So there's a very big, there are two very different types of mistakes. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of the culture, I was saying this morning to one of my guys, you know, come come to me with the, um, the don't come to me with the problem, come to me with the solution. Love that. Yeah, so you're going to come to me, here's the problem, yeah, cool. But if, I, if I'm going to solve the problem, I don't need you, right? Mm-hmm. Come to me, tell me what you think the solution is and I'll make the call where that's the right solution. 100%. So I think those it's, – it's a shifting of trying to shift the way the team approaches things. Mm. And I'm not, man, I'm not some expert at this. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm learning every day. I'm trying to learn every day and make, you know, myself and, you know, especially with my – I've got, you know, two brothers in, in, in the business as well, you know, from, an, you know, um, partners in, in, you know, building this culture. Um, you know, we're not experts but I think our job is just to help coach the staff and the team starts in the right way the team to 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 just constantly just get better and better and better and it's almost like you're giving them ownership you know don't come to me with the problem come with the solution is almost like saying hey wait a second you're just as smart as i am or more capable than i am you should be able to come up with a solution and uh, and it's giving them more power it's it's almost saying i i believe in you i believe you can come up with a solution hey come check it with me Come talk to me about it because maybe I've learned it a lesson before. Maybe I've got, you know, some feedback on it. But it's almost like giving them ownership over their role. You know, if things get hard, give it a shot. If you come and the solution's wrong, well, it doesn't matter because you've come and we've spoken about it and maybe we've come up with a better one. But getting people in the habit of thinking about, hey, how can we fix this? I think it's, a really, it's like ownership. It makes, it makes the owner's job easier. Because nothing, in, as in your job, yeah, yeah. Because nothing definitely. is more annoying than someone coming to you fucking complaining about things all the time. It's like, hey, if you need me to solve all your problems, like, what I've got my own problems to solve. That's solve, right. <laughs> uh, look, you know, hundred percent. Like, what literally? What is the point of someone constantly coming to you with only the problem? Mm. It just, it's, it, and you get in the trap sometimes as, as, um, you know, the, the, in the leadership as the leader, right? You sometimes it just. It's hard to constantly say, hey, come to me with the solution. It's like, oh, well, this is what you do, mm. right? So it's, it's, it's also pressure on you. You've got to be strict with your own discipline to make sure you're constantly saying, hey, now where's the solution? Okay, what's your answer? What do you think? Um, that's, that, that's the hard part of changing that culture. But once they get it, and, yeah, they get their confidence, as you said before, the ownership of the job or the task or whatever it is. So then – and then most of the time – if they find the solution, they'll know it's the right solution. They don't need to actually come to you. They'll just go and solve it. Yeah. yeah. And, and then they feel, and they're, they're actually better. At, at, at just they're, they're better at what they do then. They're learning, which is what you should be doing, having a culture of develop, a culture that encourages um, getting better. Because then the only way a company can get better is if the team gets better. That's right. And you either find new people or your existing people get better. That's right. And, and that always has to continually happen. That's right. And it doesn't doesn't always work. No. Right? It doesn't always work. But you know, you you can you can see you can see that 
you know, when you get the members of your team who who just in themselves they just want to get better mm. and, and learn and, and, you know, I see it a lot. They come to me and they've done something and it's, 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 there's a better way they could have done. Just You can see it in their eyes saying, Fuck, I'm not mm. going to – Next time that ain't yeah. going to happen, right? And that's what I love. That's yeah. to me, then I thrive off that. And that's the energy that – that's the energy for me personally that I, um, you know, that I thrive off. You know, seeing yeah. my team do smart things, like there's nothing better than that. Yeah, that's the best. And seeing them improve the next time they don't make that mistake or the next time you they use that lesson, that's the, ma- that's the, that's yeah, the definitely. best. And obviously, so yeah, it's a family business. You mentioned you, you, your man's there. You've got two brothers, two younger brothers in it with you. What's your opinion on my situation is very similar to yours, but um, there's a lot of people that might say, "Ah, oh, you know, it's so easy for you. You already started. There's you already had money. There was already a business." What's your opinion on starting a business, as as I guess we did, um, with with a bit more support and, and structure and knowledge and resource, as opposed to starting from scratch? Yeah. So definitely, you know, I wake up every morning. And think, I was like, how grateful? Yeah, how grateful? Yeah, so that's, that's the it. first thing, right? But secondly, that just says, well, hey, for me personally, my bar has to be higher than someone that didn't have that. Yep. So I know I've had that opportunity. So it's like, a, well, you know, one plus one has to equal, you know, five. Yeah. And if it doesn't, then from a personal point of view, that's not good enough, yep. right? So it just, I think. You got if you acknowledge that there's a lot of people in that situation who take it for granted, and you, mm. you see it, and you think, think what an opportunity it's been wasted. For me, it's I, I think well, you take that and go, okay, cool. Well, that means for me to really what's really what success means, it's just it's just got to be even more. Yeah, I fully agree. And you can look at your dad. You'd be like, hey, he did this with starting from uh, very little or much less than than what I started with. Surely I can do a lot more with what I, yeah. with what I've started with. And look, I'm, I'm lucky that. Um, with brothers, we're lucky that we've got a dad that, um, you know, you're better than me. So yeah, you go do it, right? Not a, not a control freak at all, which is, you know, from day one, right? So basically, you know, from the beginning, it was like, okay, well, I can do what I need to do without being um, hamstrung at all, um, which is even more of an opportunity, right? Mm. So okay, if I, the bar's even higher. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So so High we're very bar. yeah we're 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 lucky in that regard, um, and also you know two younger brothers, and we work, you know, Touchwood, we work famously well together, and mm. you know we have the, the good blow ups. We have the we don't we work we're in sync. We read each other's minds, and mm. that's that. It's, so that's another challenge, right? Yeah. So we're three three brothers. Well, we can't have one plus one plus one equals three. Mm. It's got to equal five. Otherwise, what a waste of that opportunity. I agree. I think gratitude is the main lesson there and you know not everyone wants to work and, and do business that's the other thing there's a lot of um uh, kids or, or people who come from families of wealth or business that they don't want to work and that's completely fine because they don't have to and also not everyone wants to but sometimes when you have that nice marrying of that super hungry ambitious uh, girl or guy person that is married with that great opportunity it's almost like when great ambition meets great resource you know and it explodes it's like the big bang you know what's gonna you know a new world is created yeah. i'm going way off um, metaphorical metaphorically <laughs> but did you know what i mean it's that marrying Definitely. of ambition and resource and 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 that's what you see 
It's like that saying, the first generation makes it, the second generation goes bang, makes it huge, and the third generation likes to spend it. Yeah. it, it you can almost see how that can how that can happen. You don't have to work. If, if you don't need to work, a lot of people don't like to work. They mm. don't like to work their ass up. Luckily for me, I love, to love what I do. I'm watching you. I can see how you love love what you do. It's not like it sounds a bit weird, but like I go to bed at night, it's just like I can wake up to start again, mm. right? Like to me, you know, and what we do is it's hard but it's fun. We play Monopoly all day, man. Like mm. it, it's real life Monopoly, yeah. right? That's what it is. So it's fun. We could easily, we could easily not, not work, mm-hmm. right? We could easily um, decide not to grow the business. You know, we're in this transition now where we're deciding to go, you know, next step, you know, mm. the next scale up. And we're talking about what that looks like. It's very easy not to. Yeah. But what a waste of, you know, for us, like, you know, what a waste of opportunities. So yeah. we're going to double down and, and go for it because – we don't have to, but we just we want be, to. It'll be want to, yeah. And it'd be so waste if we didn't. I had this conversation with someone. They said to me, oh, "I was. It's so much easier for for people um, who come from family or, or wealthy families, a family of business." I said, "Yeah, it, it definitely is. Right? It definitely is an accelerator. It's definitely you, you definitely got a head start. But at the same time, you don't actually have to work. Right? You you're choosing to work. If you have nothing, you have to work, and you have to do it hard because you need to. You need something." But when you don't have that need, it's not a necessity anymore. It becomes a want. It, not a want. It becomes like, a, yeah, you want it. Yeah. yeah, I don't want more. It's that I want to work. And that is a really interesting, yeah. I don't need to. I want to. Now, driver right, to. That's right. Now, driver right now is, you know, we know we've got the potential to do better projects, um, not bigger for the sake of bigger, but we can. We know we can do more. We've got a. We've got way more capacity in us. And okay, so we want to now get to that point. Hopefully, we get to that point. Then, you know, you learn and you experience. You do it again. Let's right? Go to the next go, point. Exactly right. Yeah, so it never ends. So and you know we want to perfect what we do. Um, and you know I always say like if this is the tables of potential, this dot here is where we are, and that should always be like that, mm. right? So there's always the potential always has to be bigger. And it almost passes through generations, like the development from one to the next stage to the next stage, you know, that's not an individual. It's not a you thing. It's the high corp thing. And the high corp thing can go on and on. That's right. It can live, a company can live for as long as long as it goes successful. So the stages of increasing, you know, it, it, it almost transcends life as a human. The business can go beyond that. You know, it continues. It continues. It continues its life forever until some moron down the track fucks it all yeah. up. <laughs> Look, that that's hundred percent right. And and the business, the business is the 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 priority, right? So the exactly. business, that's business right. first. Um, and one thing I, you you briefly mentioned that you guys do d- differently to a lot of developers is you're almost fully in house, right? Well, by almost, I mean you are fully in house, yeah. aren't you? Yeah. yeah. So what does that mean? So if you look at what development purely means, right, really it's, you know, buying something, building something on it and, you know, selling it, right? But there's so many parts to that. So we do, we do all the bits in-house. So right? many so, parts that make so that parts, possible. So parts that make that possible, right? So we've got the different, um, you know, the, you've got the chain of what is in development, right? So you've got to find the site and buy it. You need to do the architectural design. You need to do, go through the planning. You have to then go through. If you get it approved, you then have to sales and marketing. You sell off the plan and market the apartments. You have to then get your finance. You have to build it, which is probably the most difficult part mm. of the whole thing. You know, physically difficult. 
you know, building, it's, it's a tough job. Yeah. Then you need to make sure it settles and everyone moves in and everyone's happy. Then have to manage and support, you know, it's not an Ikea set. You're building, you're building, a, a, you know, a hundred apartments from, from, from a set of plans. Mm. Right. So there's always going to be problems and there's obvious, there's always support that's needed in the years after. So, so a lot of, you can take a few options. You can just, you know, be one person and have different external parties, project managing a food, development managing a food, you give it to an agency, a third party can build it. You can do that. Or you can have certain functions in house. We have probably what happened through evolution, but now when you look back is by choice and by decision, we do pretty much all of that in house. So we have, we find that most of our sites, we find ourselves and put together ourselves. We do a lot of, we do all the architectural design, you know, so we have full-time architects that work for us. Mm. You know, sometimes we outsource to, to an external firm to get a different different look and feel, different right? Yeah, but primarily we do, you know, 90% of our design is done in-house. We have, I said it before, we have our own sales and marketing team. So we do our own sales. We've got, um, we build ourselves. So, you know, although through our site managers down to the laborers, they all work for us on the payroll, right? They they, they're our guys, they build. Mm-hmm. Um, we then do the building management after it, right? We do the construction design. So so we do all that in-house and why? Okay, two reasons or multiple, but the two ones that come straight to mind. One, look, we're not control freaks, but I think by having control of that process, we can deliver exactly the product that we want. Mm-hmm. We're, no one, we're not relying on anyone else to potentially slow us down or – or, or, or stop us from, you know, achieving what we want to achieve. So, so that's that's probably the main reason. Um, the other reason is when we look at sort of the long term, if we can do from beginning to end, it's a it's really a service, right? So to you know, we don't have many customers because really our customers are people that buy our apartments. So there's not that many, mm-hmm. right? But to give them that service, to have the to have from beginning to end, we, it gives us the best chance to give the best the best service. So. Um, so control is is one. Control is controls a big one. Yeah, and you know a lot of people think it's to save money. No, it probably costs us more to do it in house, mm-hmm. right? Probably costs us more, and obviously it's more of a management exercise. Yeah. You know, there's more people. There's a lot more, more people heavy. That's right. Company, that's yeah. right. Mm-hmm. But in the end, every the time we go, are high, are much that's higher. right. Exactly right. So every but every time we go back and evaluate an arm of it to say, do we really want to do this in house? We always come back to. Um, yeah, look, I think, look, here are some good examples of why if we didn't have it in-house, what could have gone wrong or could have gone differently? And we always come back to, yeah, we need this, we want to have this function in-house because mm-hmm. we get a much better um, outcome in the end. And, and and so control well, control is one thing you mentioned. You just mentioned there were two. Is there a second? So, um, yeah, the customer, the, the service, right? Okay, so, so when we control those all those bits, yeah. right? You got to why we do all the way to the end is obviously so we can you know have the service to the customer, mm-hmm. but also even like an internal service, right? When we're doing our architectural design, way at the beginning of the piece, if our construction team is part of that, if our sales team is part of that, mm-hmm. all that IP is built in from the beginning. Whereas if you said, hey, X Y Z person, go and design this, you know, here's a brief. You then have to go through it again when you want to get ready for it to sell the units off the plan. Then you have to go through it again when you want to build it and get mm-hmm. construction documentation together as an example. If you can have that all – if they can have that team huddled around a table, that all happens from the beginning, which means it's much more seamless along And the was way. this a decision that was made at the start of the company? No. It happened it, or was that something that just it, happened it, because it, you were doing better that way? It's evolved mm-hmm. over time, 
right? It's so the company evolved. didn't start like that. No, no, no. Because yeah, no. that would be too it would yeah, be too cost heavy for a new you, developer. Almost. You could you couldn't start like that. You could go and shut shop and start a new development business like mm-hmm. that if you have the experience of being a developer, but you, you couldn't start like that. It's mm-hmm. just something that's evolved over time. Um, but it's 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 we don't leave it that way just because that's how it is. We still evaluate it and we agree that this is the right model for us. And what do you think the cons are? Cons it's are got to be some negatives. Yeah, to well, it. it's it's more work. Yeah, right. More, so more management. Need, yeah, more management. More management work. Right? We need to physically oversee each of those steps from a detailed point of view. Mm-hmm. Right. You need to manage the staff and the teams to achieve those outcomes. Mm-hmm. You know, there is more. There is more headcount. Right. Definitely. So, so there there would be the the cons. High fixed um, cost. That's right. High yeah. High fixed costs. Um, and you know if but also opportunity. Right. So the time that might go into that managing that process, that that is time that that gets taken away from you know, on the business type stuff. So it's a, it's a real truly in the business versus on the business um, conflict. And, and so then, how do you manage each of the teams? How do you how do you run the management of the teams? Is there a head so, of each team? And yeah. So so we're very ha- so as business owners, we're very hands on, mm-hmm. right? So we're we're very hands on, um, but yeah, we've got people you know in each team to to manage those teams and those processes and our job is to get the best out of them and it's constantly changing you know we've got a couple of new you know senior people starting in the next couple of weeks to um to take some of those teams to the next level wow um so to free and mainly these decisions are to free us to go concentrate on some of the growth the future of the company that's right and Speaking of the future of the company, the future of the industry has probably greatly – there would be some effects from what's currently happened with yeah. COVID and the market. Um, how do you think COVID has affected the development industry? I, I've chucked my crystal ball in the bin, yep. right? The crystal ball is gone. Yeah, It's in the bin because, you know, you just, it just there's no point in looking into it. Second week of March when the government, you know, for, shut down a lot of things, you know, it was – we weren't sure. It was very uncertain. You know, the biggest risk that could have happened to us would have been for our business, so I'll get to industry in a sec, would have been shutting the sites down, mm-hmm. right? That would have affected us, but it would have it, the flow-on effects of that could have been massive, right, from an econo- econ- economy, housing supply, et cetera. That, luckily that didn't happen. Um, our sales dried up as soon as this all started because our display suites were shut down. Mm-hmm. We couldn't have open up. So, so that affected us. From an industry point of view, um, Look, the main thing is, I think, confidence. Right? I think the confidence is the definitely the headline impact from what's happening right now. Consumer um, confidence. Consumer so. confidence. Yeah, purchaser confidence. Now, linked to that is, you know, confidence in them to get finance, right? Confidence in them to sell their place if you know when they come to, to yeah. buy. Confidence in the market not um, dropping. You know, you know, you get you got all these articles out there about you know all these bad things that are happening to the property market. That's, that shakes people up without yeah. doubt. So March, mid-March to mid-May or early May was dead. Nothing happened. And don't let anyone tell you otherwise. Nothing happened in property. In the end though, May for us ended up as our biggest month in the last two years. Why? Definitely no some pent-up demand, mm. right? But also people at home, people, you know, this is gut feel for me. I, I can't point to there's, – there's no anecdotal evidence to say this is it, but people just at home and thinking, hey, okay, I've got time to think about my property decisions. I've got time to think about my family and life decisions, mm. right? And, 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 and May's 
we're not in boom, right? So don't get me wrong. It's not like we're getting bowled open. No, but it's but just it's life has come back. Yeah, compared right? to a, in a recession yeah. or in an economic crisis, we are yeah. doing all right. That's right. It's kind but of what the, it is. the bottom line, though, is you know, housing, you know, shelter is what we. If you look at it simply, what we do, we just put a roof on people's head. Yeah, it's it's pretty. That's just in the simplest way. Do you think the way you're designing? the apartments may change in the future. For example, they may be at home working. Yes. So we've been doing that for a while, right? So we've so we've just we just started at um, 106 units in Lane Cove, which we've been we the DA design was done, you know, a year ago, year and a half ago. Um, and we just started construction. We we had a fair few sales, you know, pre-COVID and we've started. The demand now, the units in that are the most popular were the were the, are the one plus, we call them plus the um, the Zoom room, right, or yeah. the, the study. One plus Zoom room. That's yeah. right, the one plus study, two plus study, your multi-purpose room. That's a decision that we've made a while ago, not because we thought the pandemic was coming, no, mm. but just, you know, we know that the way people are living is changing. So now they are the ones that are the most sought after. Is that because of what's happening right now? Probably, but but it's it's for us it isn't some drastic design change that we're going to undertake. Well, it, what's happening now could have just accelerated exactly. the need for it That's and right. emphasize yeah. it. And and um, obviously you're building in the same areas or similar areas um, all the time. So brand reputation must be something that is key for you guys because yeah. you want residents of these areas and to, to, to know, okay, High Corps building, they always build quickly, efficiently. They're beautiful buildings. Their building's always um, – the, the apartment's always great because you do have these – I mean, a big issue with the development industry is that you get these developers come through, build thousands of units, and then the fucking ceiling falls off on day yeah. one. Um, obviously, when you're building in a specific area, or just any company general brand is important, but specifically yeah. if you're in an area, that would be very important for you guys, uh, would it well, not? And, and what do you do to create that positive brand? So think about how, as a developer, think of where, where we start from, right? There, there are three groups that can't donate to political parties, tobacco, terrorists, and developers, mm. right? So we're in the category of big tobacco and terrorists, <laughs> <Yeah>. right? <laughs> like that's what we are. Yeah. Like there's, we're, we're singled out. So you yeah. already – so re, it, it's, it's hard – it's hard from a branding a reputation point of view. You're already on the back foot, yeah. right? <laughs> so, so, but it's important, right? As I said, we're playing the long game. So for us, you know, the brand and reputation is 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 super important. And you don't always get it right. I mean, we're not going to say that we are just amazing. Of course, yeah. you know, it's yeah, we jackhammer on, you know, seven o'clock in the Sometimes morning. Sometimes annoying. And there's dust and mm. you know, trucks hit the car across the road. That happens, mm. right? That happens. Our job is just to manage that and just try to minimize that from happening. Yeah, sure. As I said before. You know, we're not. It's these buildings aren't. It's not an IKEA set, mm. right? You're building these buildings of you know, like there are a hundred different subcontractors minimum that all have to come together and put a building together, mm. right? Which of them have you know dozens of staff, like hundreds of people coming together, and everyone's got to work together and and put this thing to building, put the building up. Of course, things are going to go wrong. You know, of course, there's going to be leaks and cracks and all yeah. that. Of course, it is. So we. We are trying to, you know, design those out as much as we can, you know, getting get that right from the beginning and also in the quality of our execution. By being the builder, it allows us to control that as best as possible. But also, you know, we've got a team that stays after to manage that. So last year, the biggest challenge we had last year was all the stuff going in, in Mascot and Opal Towers, yeah. right? Everyone thought, oh, those buildings, 
media said that those buildings fell over. Does that mean our building's going to fall over? Mm -hmm. So that was a big challenge we had. So just reinforcing, hey, we are everything. We're the designer, we're the developer, we're the builder, and we're the support team that stays in there for seven years after you're gone, and we're the building manager. Just educating, going through that process and 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 educating them. Trust us. We, we can't offset the blame to someone else. Therefore, we're going to get it right. That's right. That's exactly <laughs> yeah. right. That's right. Yeah. And and you know we have we have people we have we have customers that purchases a purchase and things go wrong and we they get upset, but then they come and buy the next apartment from us again. <laughs> and that to me is the biggest. That's the biggest Compliment. sign that we're doing something wrong. When, when you know we launched this that project that we just started 100 units, you know, the first 30% of sales are all previous purchases, mm. people buying again. So most we're doing something right if they're going to trust us with another million-dollar decision. And also you have to think about it in, in a funny way is that development, construction, is one of the rare industries of which technology and machines have not replaced human jobs. Technology doesn't make mistakes. It just cookie cuts your pens and your cups and your yeah. plates and, and, and constructing those things is very simple now. Whereas constructing constructing buildings, hundreds or thousands of units uh, of apartments, right, that's a human doing it. That's a person doing it. And people make mistakes. Yeah. And so while there are mistakes, okay, yes, but we're also employing a shit ton of people and fueling the economy far greater than any other industry would be because a lot of other manufacturing industries don't have people actually building it anymore. That's right. Look, so, I'm so maybe f- we should give developers an award. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be nice. <laughs> Look, I'm a fierce advocate of technology, right? And I, I'm a fierce advocate of it. And, I, and using technology into, you know, making, you know, our business better, mm-hmm. whether that's in design, whether it's in in research, whether that's in marketing, especially marketing is, is something that you know last few months that you know we've done a lot of work in from a technology point of view. It's but do I think that there's a future where, pe- where buildings going to be built by robots? Look, I, I can't say that's impossible, but I just I think that's it's we're a long way from that. So in the meantime, this industry will be employing millions of people across the country, right? And you know that's why the government has taken. Um, the construct you know, said the construction and infrastructure industry is what's going to help us get out of whatever type of recession we end up getting in ourselves into. Mm. Because yes, that's right. We're, to us, for us to go and build a, a block of apartments, it's not just our people in the office. There's lawyers. There's accountants. There's it's there's, a whole economy. There, there, there's a whole economy. There's, there's hundreds of people that come and work on site. Right. There, there's there's infrastructure. There's utility provided. It's, the, the multiplier effect of construction is a very real thing, and you learn it in the first day of, you know, economics or you know. Yeah, don't don't so, they say when a country stops building, the economy collapses? That's they right. need to be building. They that's need right. bridges and infrastructure, and it, it, that's what fuels the and economy. Then, and then, if you do it right, then it has a, a larger effect. You know, if you can bring housing close to employment, for example, yeah, you get the you get the economic stimulus from actually the building. But then all of a sudden, if people have more choices of where to live. And it, that means they can com- easier to commute to work. They're going to be more productive with that job and create more economic output there. So the infrastructure and the housing supply go hand in hand to actually the longer term survival of the, oh, survival is the wrong word. The growth of of the economy. Mm-hmm. So it starts from the millions of economic activity generated during the build, but then housing choice and 
um, and flexibility has a huge amount of multiplier effects, you know, for the generations to, to come. come. Plus, also, you know, we pay a shitload of taxes and yeah, and the people that buy this. the apartments pay the taxes, and then they, that's right. The residents pay the council their fees, yeah. and there's yeah. a lot. It's of, about a lot of benefits. It's about and pro, different project to project, but it's about somewhere between thirty to thirty five percent of it, of the value of an, each apartment goes to government. Wow. Between GST, stamp duty, council contributions, fees, etc. So just think about how important it is for the economy. For the economy. And um, strategic direction. How do you create that as a uh, as a developer? How do you choose? Okay, this is this is our strategy. This is what we're going to yeah, do. Yeah, we're going through that now. I've, I found it pretty hard to be honest. It's, it's a hard, hard thing. It's the hardest it's thing hard. in business creating it's, strategy. It's hard. So you know, we you know, if you're a developer and you're doing you know, say, just saying two or three projects a year, right? What's growth? Growth is we want to do the fourth project, right? Okay, it sounds simple. Go from three to four projects with that. Like that's a $100 million investment decision. <laughs> yeah. You know, so, you, so, you know, it, it's not just, it's not like some other businesses where you've got, you know, you've got years and okay, next year we want to, you know, 10% rev growth on our top line or reduce the margins and um, reduce, the, um, reduce the cost and increase the margin. We want a 5% increase on our profit margin, right? It's not like that. I mean, you have those along the way, but really to then to, to grow a development business, it's a huge time and investment decision. And you can't just go and flick the switch. You've mm. got to start that multiple years journey that we talked about before from finding the opportunity through to um, having that beer at the end of, yep. at the end of it. Right. What's so, that called? The rooftop party or something? Yeah, that's yeah. So, so the, a lot of the, yeah. So they've got topping out parties yeah. when the roof is built. We have we sometimes have that. Look, we 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 have the parties. We do that, but mm. but really, we just like to just it's, we do deals and just wake up and try to wake up, go dream. for the next one. You know, but yeah, top topping out parties, what it's called. Awesome, my man. And just before we wrap up, what are the I guess what are some of the biggest lessons that you've learned uh, in business? as a developer um, that you could share with, with the listeners? They may be developer, sorry, specific. They may be business yeah. as a whole. We talked about the um, tenacity, that mm. part of it. So, look, if you want to be in, I think in any business, man, just okay. don't, you just can't give up. Just you've got to keep keep going. Um, you know, that that's the key thing. And there's always going to be obstacles. It's not just in development. For people that are looking at trying to get into development, um, I think it's it's really it, it, as exciting as it sounds to be in development. It's got a lot of challenges and difficulty. Um, it's a great business to be in. I mean, I love it. It's a very difficult business. Difficult. from What I've learned today. That's right. So, you know, definitely, you know, start small. Um, I think having an, an understanding of delivery is a really important thing. So that's the you know the actual. What do you mean get, by that? Delivery is the. It's a good thing to find a site and get an approval and all that, but actually turning it from, you know, a house into a, a, a duplex or from five houses into a hundred apartments or whatever it is, that actual physical build with construction and 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 the detail around that that that's that's the hardest and obviously the riskiest part. Um, you know, it, apart from that, in 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 like businesses, it's just being smart. You know, working smart. I think that's a really important thing. You know, a lot of you know, I think I wrote there as well, you know, that, that hours don't mean anything. I mean, hours are important. You've got to work the hours mm. in any business. But but hours don't mean productivity and hours don't mean growth or success. Mm. You know, you've got to work really smart. So the, the most lethal combination, like in a good way, is smart and long, long hours. hours. Yeah. Long hours yeah. and smart That was actually hours. the topic of our 
of our morning meeting with the Cup yeah. team this morning. So if you can if you can work smart and roll the sleeves up, oh, you're unstoppable. You're fucking rolling. That's right. That's right. Um, and just play, I think play the long game. Mm. You know, it, it's it's you've got to play in any business. You've got to play the long game. You've got to think. Enjoy the ride. That's right. And and you know the little setbacks along the way. Um, if you go too hard too quickly to try to find the silver bullet, I mean, anyone that's been doing this for more than half a minute will tell you that the silver bullet does not exist. Mm. We get lucky along the way on certain deals and transactions, yeah, of course. But if you play the long game and you do that smart and work your ass off, you, you can't go wrong. I love it. And um, and what was it that made you join Cup? Just being meeting people that uh, – same drivers, same, yeah. same, same um, attitude, same focus. Um, you know, wanting to grow and and just and learning, man. I, I said before, I'm always learning, always yeah. want to learn, and um, and that's you know, groups like Cub are an important part of that. And I joined just before this whole the world crumbled, right? Yeah. So it's been a lot of virtual meeting and learning, but um, so far it's been great. Amazing, all right, my man. Uh, let's wrap up there. That was a brilliant conversation. Thank you to all our listeners for for tuning in. We did have so much demand coming from people asking for uh, uh, developers and people in construction, and I think that this one absolutely hit the nail on the head. So thank you, Steve, and thank you so Thanks much. Thanks very man. much. Um, all right, see you guys. <laughs>